What's up? It's Kaylee Cuoco. When it comes to travel, we all have a happy place. I just went to my happy place. I just went to Maui, and it was truly amazing. Priceline has always been about getting you to your happy place for a happy price with deals you really can't find anywhere else, like up to 60% off select hotels in Costa Rica or five-star hotels for two-star prices in Cabo. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Dew Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back to the Final Four. It's not on the schedule. He is Rod. I am Cameron. Uh, and we are back to talk about the preview for Western Michigan, uh, who comes into this one 0-1 on the season. Um, but it was a fairly close game against Butler, 66-62. Um they're coming in uh, to this one with a brand new staff. Clayton Bates comes in after a, a long run with Steve Hawkins um, at the helm. Uh, and rough year last year, 13-19. and 19, um, And they lose two of their best players to grad transfers. One of them to uh, Minnesota and Flowers. Well, we'll, we'll talk about them in, in a second. Well, but where did Flowers uh, go? I can't I'm remember. Forgetting, I'm forgetting where he went. Uh, hold on. Yeah, Brandon Johnson is the guy who ended up at Minnesota. Um, bum, bum, bum. Let's see. I swear I South, just Al- South Alabama. South Alabama. Oh, South Alabama. Okay. Yep. Maybe I didn't just see them. <laughs> I, I actually just did. You might have seen it on Twitter. I know I saw it somehow on my timeline, a picture of him. So mm. you might have. Okay. What, um do we? What's the deal with this new coaching change? I mean, like I said, he'd been Hawkins had been there for like fifteen years or something, maybe more than that. Yeah, um, it was it was um, interesting because they they got rid of Steve Hawkins. I think went to a couple of NCAA tournaments. Um, you know, yeah. and in the MAC, the MAC's a one bid league, so. My impression was, and, and I'm not, I'll look it up as we're talking. My impression was that he had had a pretty decent run at Western. Um, you know, surprising, but they had been on a little bit of a downward tick. His last two years, they were eight and 24 and 13 and 19. Mm-hmm. And it had been a while. It had been, Gosh, it had been six years since he'd been in the postseason, seven years since he'd been in the tournament. He last went to the tournament in 2013, 2014, and his first year he went to the tournament way back in 03, 04. So he did a lot of good things. I think it was just the trajectory was one and, and uh, that they that they didn't love. And, and then on top of that, um, the fact that he, he – even the best you could say is that his program was consistently solid. You know, Steve Hawkins was never, to my knowledge, one of those guys who 
was in the mix for a high major job. Mm-hmm. You know, he never got Western to that point where, you know, he was uh, considered an attractive candidate for uh, for a big move up. Um, and you'll still see that out of the times, you know. Um, you saw it most recently with Nate Oates going from Buffalo to, to Alabama. And um, we've seen guys like in recent years, meaning like the last decade, John Gross went from Ohio to um, Illinois. Um, I think Ohio's current coach, Jeff Bowles, would be a guy – who might be a candidate to move on, especially if, if they have the kind of year I think they might, uh, especially because he's also got a long-term uh, distance track record of state under Thad Mata. So that league still turns out guys who move on, and yet Steve Hawkins just never seemed to be in that mix. And I think, you know, when you're one place for, what was it, six, seven, eight, 16, 17 years, you know, there can be some, and and you don't have the breakthrough that makes you just makes it unthinkable mm-hmm. for you to be fired. You know, it, it probably just started to feel a little stale. And so, where it got controversial is Western search seemed to be kind of meandering. If you remember, there was a a lot immediately when it happened that Saudi. Washington, who is a U of M assistant, would be the obvious choice. He's an alum. Oh. He played at Western Michigan, one of their all-time greats. He's a Michigan guy from Lansing. You know, played high school basketball, Lansing Sexton. He would seem to check every box, right? And they didn't hire him. And if you're not going to hire him, well, why aren't you looking hard at Dwayne Stevens or Dane Fife? You know? Um, those would seem to be two pretty obvious names on any kind of, uh, search by a Mac school in the state of Michigan, or frankly, in my opinion, in, in the region, period, mm-hmm. should be looking at those guys. What they ended up mm-hmm. doing is hiring Clayton Bates, who, to be fair to him, has been in that program a long time. He wasn't an assistant the whole time with, um, with Hawkins. He was there in two different stints. And, and they sandwiched a year off where he just, for family reasons, I think, just took a year off from basketball. And then I think he did three years under Billy Donlin, uh, the former U of M assistant, uh, current Northwestern assistant, when he was coaching at Wright State. Hmm. But he's a long time. So it's not like Clayton Bates has no credibility, but the feeling was it was a botched hire and a cheap hire. They're paying him something like, I think it's like two hundred twenty thousand dollars. That's a low number for a for a D one head coach. Um, so that fact kind of pushed the idea that Western went on the cheap. That the reason they didn't go at some of those guys I just mentioned is they didn't want to pay him. So with guys like that, you know, the guys at Michigan or Michigan State who have been to multiple Final Fours as assistant coaches and have real track records, you're going to have to pay them. And I don't know what the going rate is for a Mac coach, but it's a lot more than 220 grand. That's what it would take to get those guys. So I don't know. I mean, this might work out. You know, it's. I'll say this: his first game to to push Butler and only lose by four. That's not a bad start, mm-hmm. considering where expectations are. I mean, Western is picked last in the MAC this year. So um, 
we'll see how it works. It may end up working out just fine for Western, but I, I think that the decision to hire him and the process they went through to get there was roundly criticized. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. To, I mean, I don't know, but to me it seems like people like Dane Fife, Dwayne Stevens, and Saudi Washington would be looking at jobs just a notch higher than that. Maybe like Atlantic 10 jobs or like, uh, I don't possibly. know, DePaul, that type of thing. Uh, possibly. And you're, you're possibly right. The reason that Saudi Washington had so much traction is that he played there. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, and, and that and that makes sense. Um, you might be right about those guys, and it might also be, look, I have no idea how they felt about the job, considering where Western got to and what they're paying. Those guys, probably none of them, I can be reasonably certain, would have taken the job under those circumstances. Mm-hmm. So if that's what they were willing to pay, you weren't going to get them. You know, simple yeah. as that. Uh, I don't know. I mean, the Mac is still, you can make a case. I mean, certainly we've seen guys at Michigan State, at least, I'll I'll stick with them, um, go in at a higher level. You know, Tom Crane's first job was at Marquette. You know, that's that's a pretty good starting point. Brian Gregory started at Dayton. Those are really, really good jobs. But they've had guys, Mark McCormick, over in Illinois. You know, I mean, it. Ha- um, um, Mike Garland started at uh, Cleveland, State. Cleveland State. That was his right. job. Uh, Stan Heath, way back, started at Kent State. You know, well, Kent State was a really good job at the time because they were ready to, they were ready to explode, and everybody knew it. And sure enough, Stan took him to an Elite Eight because he had so much talent, including former NFL Hall of Famer Antonio Gates. Mm-hmm. So he, that was a better job than most Mac jobs would be on the surface. But anyway, you get my point. I hear you on that, and I think all else being equal, you'd, you'd be correct. But if it's if it's a Mac job that you, where you think you can win, you think the administrative support is there, um, and you think you could be successful, I wouldn't look past that. You know, if I were those guys, and I don't think they do. I just think it needs to be right, and, and a situation where Western's paying less than Michigan State pays its assistance um, is questionable. You know, that has to raise legitimate questions in terms of what's the level of support administratively for the program. Right. They're not willing to pay the coach. What are they willing to pay for? Are you going to, you know, are you going to be shortchanged on facilities? Or are you going to be shortchanged on assistance, uh, the budget to hire assistance, et cetera? Um, it should also be noted while we're talking about this on Michigan State connections, one of the assistants on the staff, and I believe he was there with, um, I think he's been there for a few years now with Steve Hawkins, uh, is former Spartan guard Thomas Kelly. And he's still on that staff there. So TK, another guy that, you know, was on the MSU staff in, in a non-coaching role for a while before he got that Western job. Um, you know, another name in the MSU pipeline of guys who might eventually be uh, candidates for an assistance job if one ever opens up, which <laughs> we go with this staff remaining intact. I mean, we're working on a decade now, the less likely it seems, but I just thought it's worth mentioning that it's good to see him in a, you know, getting a crack 
um, at uh, at coaching at this level. And there are other guys who would be candidates, you know, who have been on the MSU staff in some capacity as well. Mm-hmm. But he's one of them and is obviously going to be in this game looking to looking to get one over his, his alma mater. I, you know, and I wouldn't discount the idea of athletic departments looking maybe this year to pair back some places because... Well, there is worth pointing out because... Um, the decision came obviously just after the season ended and um, just after the pandemic started. So there is probably something to that, but I don't think you can say that consistently because there were lots of situations where, you know, changes. Westerns was extreme, but it's a fair point. Mm-hmm. I think, I think every school is kind of, you know, you look at how many schools have cut Olympic sports this year and, you know, whether you believe it's legitimate, you know, and that there's a budget crisis or you think that the pandemic provided an excuse for it to happen, they wanted to do it anyway. Um, regardless, it's been happening. Mm-hmm. So I don't dismiss that you, you may have a point there, but, but still in the industry, in the, in the college basketball world, that West, what Western did really stuck out. Mm-hmm. That was considered to be a wow, what are they doing kind of moment. But we'll see. Again, you know, it, you never know how these things can work out. And at a pro, in a program at Western's level, especially, you just can't ever know for sure. This is a guy who, as I said, been around a long time. You know, it, it does mean some continuity with the way that, for better or for worse, with the way that they did things. But, of course, then that begs the question, well, it begs the question, if if you were if you wanted continuity of doing things and you like like that, then why'd you get rid of that? Uh-huh. You know? Because um, he didn't have it. There, there was no underlying issue in terms of, you know, behavioral stuff understand T. Hawkins was not a a controversial guy. So I think it was results based, you know. Mm-hmm. But again, as you're saying, don't don't discount the Western looked at it and maybe it was a combination of the two things. Their administration may have said, Hey, if these are the results we're gonna get, they're okay, but great. Why should we pay what we're paying? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know. I don't know if that was their their math on this, but it might have been. Okay. Well, um, um, but does anything stick out as far as style of play to you? Not, not really. I would, I would expect to see maybe man and maybe a little less aggression than we've seen lately. Oh, Western may have have looked at what's happened with U of D and with Duke and decided that they want to try to play a little higher line and, and be a little more aggressive. Uh, I, I just don't know, mm-hmm. but um, no, they're not. There, there's nothing systemically that really leaps out about the way Western's played in the past. And I didn't see the Butler game, so I'm not sure. Well, they did shoot 50% from three in the Butler game, which is a little yeah. concerning. <laughs> But only 18 attempts, so they weren't crazy with the number of threes they took. Um, you know, that, that did stick out, and that's from a group that doesn't have a lot of proven great shooting coming back. So, 
worth keeping an eye on, though. We'll we'll pivot back to that point when we talk about the keys. Okay, so uh, for starters, B. Artist White, six foot sophomore from Canton, uh, and son of the former MSU guard and longtime Detroit head coach Benny White. Yeah, ben, Benny White is a longtime Detroit area high school coach. I think he did some time as a college assistant as well. Uh, he had a good long run at Detroit King High School, if I remember correctly, and I think has coached some other places. He was a an MSU guard in the era just before the late 70s. Um, he was uh, he played for the Spartans. Uh, I always liked his son. I, I was I saw the artist play several times, uh, both in AAU and in high school for Canton and. Uh, I always, I always really liked him. I thought he, I, in fact, I thought he had a chance maybe to be a high major, like a lower echelon, maybe the kind of kid that a Northwestern or a Penn State takes a chance on. Uh-huh. Uh, didn't end up that way. He, he got an offer and, and took it from Western. And I think he's, I think he's going to be a very good, uh, he's off to a good start this year, 17 points and five assists in the opener. And with Flowers gone, he is the guy in the backcourt. Flowers was a, a scorer for them. So, um, you know, the artist had a decent freshman year, 7.3 points, 1.6 assists, shot 34, 34, 66, decent. You know, but I, I'm expecting him to take a step up. I think what prevented him from getting a high major call is that while he's quick, he's not blur quick. And he's small. Mm-hmm. He's six foot, but he listed at six feet. But he also, you know, at least was. I haven't seen him recently. I uh, was very slight, his frame. So, you know, you had to wonder, would he have similar issues? You know, somebody that you look at Michigan State, like Foster Lawyer, where at times, you know, physicality has been a question, right? Mm-hmm. It, it, I'm guessing that's why he didn't see you know, big 10 level schools coming in on him. But, uh, as I say, he's, he's, I think going to have a really good career at Western. I'd be very surprised if he doesn't, because I always thought he was a really good player around here in high school. And I thought he showed enough to suggest that he would do, you know, exactly what he's doing. He's probably a safe bet to be Western's leading scorer this year. Cause he's going to have the ball. In tens, I think he has it. Mm-hmm. Other, another tough matchup, you know, coming off, uh, facing Antoine Davis, another tough matchup for Rocket Watts at the point. I imagine Rocket's going to guard him, and they're the same age. They played together on the family. They know each other very well, so that'll be an interesting one to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, William Boyer Richard, or Richard? Probably Richard. Richard. Uh, 6'1 junior. Uh, he started, but he did not score in the 16 minutes in their opener against Butler. Um yeah, and that, you know, that six, you start where you play 16 minutes. What that says is that you're maybe a nominal starter, but you're not really playing starters minutes. You're playing more rotation minutes. They're hoping that they get a rerun of his fresh 49% from three. Really good. And average five points a game. Last year, his average got cut in half, 2.6 points a game, 26% from three. So it, it seemed pretty clear to me. Boyer Richard, he's a Canadian kid. If um, if he's going to contribute for Western, it's going to be as a three-point shooter, and they're going to hope that he gets back on track. 
mm-hmm. after a down year last year. Uh, and then Jason Witten's uh, 6'4", redshirt junior, um, scored three points, grabbed three rebounds in 21 minutes in the opener, and um, averaged 4.6 points a game, 4.3 rebounds on 48, 36, and 60. Yeah, he's a guy, he played at, at Powers North Central, which was a really good, they won a state championship, I think, I believe in Class D. I don't want to shortchange him. Maybe it was C, but I think it was D. Um, a few years ago, and MSU actually recruited him and offered him as a preferred walk-on, and he would have fit the mold of other guys they've had in that role. I'm not going to say he would have been, you know, Kenny Goins or Austin Thornton, but it made sense to offer him as that level of player because he was a guy who was just short of being good enough where, you know, a Big Ten school would offer him a scholarship. But obviously Western did. He opted to go that route mm-hmm. and has been a pretty decent player for them. Not a not a superstar by any means, but you mentioned the numbers from last year. Decent you know, when you look at the, the shooting numbers, 48, 36, 60, solid, just doesn't take a lot of shots. Um, but he's a starter. He started sometimes last year. Uh, you know, I think he's – the thing that I liked about him in high school, and I honestly have to admit I haven't seen him play since he's been at, uh, at Western or maybe maybe once fleetingly. Um, the thing that I liked about him is that he was actually – he kind of fit that mold of some of the guys that I've mentioned where he's a better athlete than you think. You know, this was not a kid who was – okay four but his primary gift is shooting now he's not any question his athleticism no no he's solid physically strong guy for a wing and he had some ups as i recall so you know he's the kind of guy that at the manic level should be a pretty effective player mm-hmm. uh, and then greg lee the 6'9 grad transfer from cal state bakersfield um, he scored six points and seven uh, rebounds in the opener yeah, I'm I'm done uh, questioning these transfers <laughs> coming from mysterious uh, California schools. We we just saw that uh, the other night with a kid from Cal Baptist who played very well for U of D. Um, but yeah, they brought him in because he's got size and length. They also say that he can shoot. So the thought is he can do some of the things that Brandon Johnson did for them. The guy who's grad transferred and is now starting at Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Um, he scored 6.7 points and, and grabbed 3.9 boards a game last year. So the numbers weren't overwhelming, but you know we'll just have to see how it all translates to this level. But they're optimistic that he can give them some help as an all-around contributor in, in the paint. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Titus Wright, 6'8", 250-pound sophomore. Um, so he got eight uh, points and three rebounds, of, <clears throat> excuse me, in the opener. Yeah, and 6.2 points and four boards last year. You know, they like him. He's strictly an around-rim guy. Didn't take any threes last year, unlikely to this year. But he's got size at 6'8", 250. He knows how to use his body to create space. He's got some finishing ability. I think he shot in the high 50s from the floor last year so. The thinking is he's going to be much improved, and he's going to give them a legit post presence this year. Uh, didn't have huge numbers in the opener, but they're again they're optimistic, mm-hmm. and at least physically he's a guy who Michigan State is going to have to compete with, and, and 
God help us. The thing that I like is it means Michigan State's fives probably, at least when he's in the game, aren't going to have to chase around wings the way they yeah too often. <laughs> you know, it'd be it's, it'll be nice to actually see them play a real big man. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, so coming off the bench, they have Rafael Cruz Jr., six one senior, and he got fourteen points in the Butler game. Yeah, 7.1 points a game last year on 42-34-73 shooting. They're hoping he can be a more consistent three-point threat, and he did shoot the ball well from deep in the Butler game. He's a guy that could be a starter. I mean, honestly, he's a bigger impact player than Boyer Richard. Um, so really, he's your starter there, even though he technically did not start that game. I don't know if they'll shake their lineup up or not, but um, regardless, the minute, minutes. Uh, and then Patrick Emelian, 6'6", junior forward, uh, who got 11 in the opener. Yeah, didn't do a lot last year. Two points, 1.8 boards. And he has not shot the ball particularly well, but uh, he went three for seven from deep against Butler. And and then in addition to that, if he can keep that going, that's a big deal. But um, his real value is he gives Western a guy who can play a lot of different positions. They can play him on the wing. They will definitely use him at the four as well. So uh, expect that he's going to play a, a key role off their bench. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Josiah Freeman, 6'4", freshman wing, um, who got 11 minutes in the opener. Yeah, came in uh, with a reputation as a shooter, and he made his only three against Butler. So for now, figure that's what they're going to look for him to provide is some shooting. Uh, and Chase Bars, 6'9", 185-pound sophomore, uh, who played eight minutes against Butler. Yeah, a little uh, last, <laughs> a little very, very, very light. <laughs> last year he averaged 2.7 points, 2.8 boards, and half a block per game. So strength is definitely an issue, but they think that his length gives him a chance to impact games off the bench. So, you know, eight minutes against Butler, you figure we'll see him in this game out of necessity as well. Mm -hmm. It would be better if he was stronger, but Western doesn't have a lot of other options. So I think Bars will play some minutes this year. All right. So if we turn to the keys, um, not surprising, um, moving up to the number one key now is rebounding. Uh, especially after the UD performance. Yeah, that, that was just disgraceful. And, you know, you can, you, there's a lot of excuses, but the bottom line is that should not happen. Mm. At either end, Michigan State should really do a better job than they did. And it was just, as we talked about, U of D was just quicker to the ball. Michigan State seemed to be standing and watching way more than we ever see. And as a consequence, they looked sluggish and just out of sorts the whole day. That that can't happen again, and I would think it won't. Um, we should probably mention, too, on that front, the word on injuries with MSU after the game. Uh, the first one I'll tackle, Joey Hauser. Uh, Izzo said that he banged his knee on the floor during the U of D game, and that's why, as as we suspected in the post game, that's why uh, he didn't see minutes down the stretch because mm-hmm. Izzo felt he just couldn't check. But he doesn't think it's anything long term. Uh, with Josh Langford, um, Izzo emphasized that he could have played, 
They didn't want to push it. They didn't see a reason to. That's why they sat him out because he played 29 minutes against Duke and he did have a little, a little knee pain. Uh, but they're anticipating that he's going to play in this game and on Wednesday against UVA. He said there's no plan in place to manage Josh's minutes or anything like that. Uh, they are figuring that he's going to be a full go. This was just kind of a maintenance thing, not part of any ongoing plan to, you know, play one, sit one, or play two, sit one, anything like that. Uh-huh. So I would expect we're going to see both of those guys in this game. Okay. And it's important. It matters, mm-hmm. obviously. We saw that yesterday. Uh, and then the second key turnovers. Um, so what, in three of the uh, of the four games played so far, they haven't been a major problem, but – Oh, yeah, have, I mean, they have been a major problem. Yeah, yeah, they've been a big problem. You know, the only exception was Notre Dame. And let's be honest, Notre Dame is the one team that kind of played a passive zone. Um, you know, even Eastern Michigan zone was obviously very aggressive, and U of D certainly was. And then um, Duke obviously played an aggressive man-to-man. So uh, that's no excuse. That's just a – in fact, if anything, what it says is, hey, MSU did okay against a team that didn't really test them very much in that way. Anybody who's tested them, they haven't passed the test. So that's got to improve. I don't expect that we'll see Western ball hawking, but who knows? Mm -hmm. Um, They may have seen what's happened and decided that that's what they're going to do to try to pull an upset. Um, We do typically see this at this time of year for Michigan State, but conference play is coming up fast. I mean, I think December 20th. Is the opener against Northwestern? Yeah. And then they got Wisconsin on Christmas Day and we're off to the races. So this is, this is it. I mean, there's just not a lot of time. It's basically this coming week and, and that's your non-conference. Mm-hmm. So they've got to tune it up fast. Uh, because in Big Ten games, boy, you know, you, you get away with it against the UAD and Eastern. Not going to get away with it. Most likely, and not not consistently at least, playing Iowa, Wisconsin, Illinois, you know, Purdue, whoever. Mm-hmm. Um, so they've got to get it tightened up. And and in particular, I think the live ball turnovers have been a real problem because um, that just leads to easy points. You know, with Michigan quality, of Michigan State's defense, you want teams having to go against you in the half court every possession. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then the third key shooting. Um, Michigan State comes into this one 34.1, so just barely into the 34% tile there. Yeah, and it's, you know, I'm saying here in the notes, MSU struggled since the opener with a three-point shot. 34% as a team is not very – last year I think it was 34.7 for the season. Yeah. So it's not like – and I don't think we felt, oh, MSU's a really bad shooting team last year. You know, it's some of it's a little overdone, but – you know, on the other hand, I think the way you look at it is these are non-conference games, and you're more consistently going to be seeing better defense night in, night out when you're playing a Big Ten schedule, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a, it's a little bit of a concern. I think they're going to – and maybe part of it is that we haven't yet seen the game. You know, we mentioned Western went 9 for 18 against Butler. We haven't seen Michigan State have that kind of game yet. Not, not once. It's, we haven't, you know, which is okay. It means we haven't had the, oh, they shot 50% in this game and 15% in the next one. Mm-hmm. We haven't seen that kind of variance, which would be a problem on its own. But, um, 
I just I think that it's time for Michigan State to kind of dial it in. I think the problem that this year you've typically had one or two guys each game get it going with their shot and not the team as a whole. Yeah. And you want to see that spread around a little bit. You know, in the UD game, it was basically Gabe Brown against the world from three. I mean, he's the only guy that was dialed in against Duke, Rocket, and, and, uh, Hauser shot the ball well, but really nobody else did. You know, they need more from certain guys, you know. Um, then you gave to kind of develop some consistency from out there. You'd like to see Aaron Henry get his, his deep jumper rolling. That's the only part of his game that really hasn't been going thus far. Mm-hmm. You want to see Hauser develop consistency. Um, you know, Foster Lawyer, Rocket Watts, uh, Josh Langford when he's back in the lineup. You know, they got a lot of guys. Be nice to see Malik Hall get it going a little bit. You know, a lot of guys who can shoot, but they need to actually do it. Mm. Uh, and then the fourth key, pace. Yeah, I, I can't imagine Western's going to want to run with MSU. That just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. So what I would expect to see them doing is to try to shorten this game a little bit by using up a lot of the shot clock. Um, I don't, again, I don't think they're going to pressure Michigan State. Maybe they'll surprise me. Um, but for MSU, what that means is you just want to see consistency in terms of pushing the ball. I think they've had moments in pretty much every game where the transition games look good. They certainly had moments against U of D where they pushed well. You know, I, I think back to that, that bucket late that really kind of helped seal it when Hogard got the rebound, had a nice outlet to Rocket, um, who hit Julius Marble streaking down the middle for a dunk. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a nice example. You know, there were others, too, where Michigan State pushed, but it, it maybe hasn't been quite consistent enough. So you just want to work on getting that consistency dialed up. Yeah. Uh, and then five, defend the arc. Um, you know, last year, Western only shot the 33%, um, but right. 50% last game, so I guess. Right, and in any game against an opponent like this, it's the it's the thing you worry about because the percentage that somebody shoots against you is tough to control. We always talk about that. That's generally speaking, you know, those who really dive into this stuff in terms of deep basketball analytics will claim that it's a mostly a luck based number that there's as opposed to two point shooting. It's hard for it to be repeatable game in, game out. But what you can control are the number of looks that somebody's getting, Mm -hmm. you know, unless they're just going to take them no matter well that whether they're well guarded or not, in which they're probably there's probably going to be an impact on the percentage. Um, You know, Western taking 18 threes in that game is certainly not displaying a three happy team and they weren't under Hawkins. Um, But regardless, I think for Michigan State, any game like this against an outmanned opponent, you need to be conscious of that and you need to be locking down um, just to make sure that they don't get on track. You know, it's, it's the thing about the game against Detroit. Thank God that U of T did not get on a roll from three because if they had, it would have been a different story. Um, it's amazing that it was that tight without them doing that because typically that's not the equation for an upset or a near upset in a, in a mid-major game, you know, mm-hmm. but, uh, with regard to Western, yeah, I think, I think that's, I, I'm guessing that's why Butler thinks that game was as close as it was, is that Western kind of went off a little bit from three. Um, 
MSU can't can't let that happen. All right. Well, um, a fairly quick turnaround with this one uh, tomorrow, which is would be Sunday uh, at six o'clock. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's kind of a there's kind of a good news aspect to that from my perspective in that I think you could say um, if you're Michigan State's players, <laughs> for sure, you'd like to get out there, have another crack at it, to maybe get Izzo off your back because he was not happy. <laughs> I gave him, nor, nor should he have been. I wasn't happy, and I, I don't have nearly the best where he does that, mm-hmm. you know? I don't think any Michigan State person was happy with that game. So maybe a good thing to just have the one day and then be right back at it. At least with Western, you've got tape of one game. So you at least will have some idea of what they're going to look like. And as I mentioned, the you know the good thing is their best player is a guy that at least some of the Michigan State kids are familiar with. Rocket played AAU with him. I don't recall for sure, but I wouldn't be surprised if Gabe has played against B. Artis White. I, I, they were both part of the family program, although a year apart. So I'm sure he knows him. I'm, I'm sure Foster Lawyer is familiar with him. Um, so there's some guys on Michigan State's team who at least have familiarity with their point guard, their top guy. So that's a good thing, um, at least in theory. And, and actually, I'll say this. I think that that familiarity probably had something to do with the way that, you know, relatively speaking, the fact that he scored 24 points, that MSU kept Antoine Davis in check. They made him take 26 shots to get those points. Mm-hmm. You know, they, Rocket, I thought, did a really good job on him because the shots he was making late were tough, tough shots. The shots you would you would never say were a result of poor defense. Um so hopefully we're going to see the same kind of effect in this game, that at least that little bit of familiarity they have with, with their best player will will pay off. You know, Western doesn't have a lot of Michigan kids mm-hmm. on their roster, but their best player is. Okay. Well, that'll do it for the Western preview. We'll see you after the game. Until then, the Final Four is not on the schedule. <laughs> For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.